Welcome to First Things First. I'm yeah. Jenna Wolf alongside Nick Wright, Brandon Marshall, Kevin Wilds. If I may for a second be the voice of Nick Wright when he went to bed last night, he was like, you know what? I want the Lakers to win, but wouldn't it be great if we had a series? Wouldn't it be great <laughs> if I gave Brandon a little meat on the bone in this series? A little something to talk about this morning. The Nuggets said, okay, buddy, here you go. We got oh, ourselves man. a series. That is where we start the show this morning. Game, sort of. Game yeah. three last night. I'd rather not be in your head, Nick. Lakers Nuggets, we asked yesterday if it was too soon to count the Nuggets out. The answer is a definite maybe. Jamal Murray, Nikola Jokic, Jeremy Grant, big nights out of all of them. Nuggets up as many as 20 points in this one. LeBron notching his 26th career triple uh, playoff triple-double, but it wasn't enough as the Nuggets get the win. Don't look now, but they are right back in this. Here is LeBron James after last night's loss. Well, like we always preach, you know, every possession is very important. You know, when you give up, um, you know, 25 points off 16 turnovers, that's just, it's not good. And uh, we did the same thing in game two. We had 24 turnovers, and, and luckily it didn't, it didn't bite us in the butt, but it should have. Um, but, uh, you know, we just got to do a better job of that, and that's a conscious effort. Not only it starts with me, because um, I'm the point guard of the team, and then it trickles on everyone else. Well, we're still up 2-1. Uh, we have control of the series. Um, we just got to come out in game four and, and play outside of basketball. Uh, we can't turn the ball over. We can't put them on the line. Uh, our defense was great in the fourth quarter, um, and we got we to gotta be able to do that for all four, all 48 minutes. We can't um, not play in you know, the first three and then you know, expect to win a game in the fourth. So if we come out and play outside of basketball, um, pushing the pace and, 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 you know, being scrappy and being aggressive, on, on, especially on defense, it would be fine. Yeah, the Lakers sure could have used four mm. quarters like their fourth quarter last night. But, Nick, I'll start with you. Did last night's Nuggets win show you that this team is capable of maybe making or taking this series still winning? <laughs> that Jenna, I feel like that is a first cousin <laughs> of one of your favorite questions for me. Are you nervous? And the answer to both of those questions is no. No shot. Listen, folks, we, I don't know anybody that predicted a Lakers sweep. Before the playoffs, I said Lakers in six over the Nuggets. Before the series, I revised that to Lakers in five over the Nuggets. And I will stick with exactly that. I think the Lakers are going to win five game series in each and every round of these playoffs. And I think I said that yesterday. I... There's a weird thing that happens in playoff basketball, which is if you pick a team to win a series in five, six, or even seven, when you're doing that, those picks, you are baking in losses. Yet we treat every loss like it is a massive disaster. The Lakers were on a six-game playoff winning streak going into last night. For a little context, in the last five years, there have only been three playoff winning streaks longer than the one the Lakers were on as of 12 hours ago. The Warriors had one, LeBron's Cavs had one, and this year's Miami Heat had one to start the playoffs. Teams don't win seven, eight, nine playoff games in a row, typically, and the Lakers, what happened to them yesterday was they thought that the Nuggets' uh, spirit was sapped with the gut punch from Anthony Davis in game two, and the spirit was not sapped, and the Nuggets came out sharp, the Lakers came out flat, their role players could hit no shots, Rondo was regular season Rondo for three and a half quarters until playoff Rondo kicked back in, and the Lakers dug themselves too big of a hole. So 
It was a great job by Jamal Murray, a good game by Nikola Jokic, a fantastic game by Jeremy Grant, and credit to him. And LeBron, despite the 30-point triple-double, had way too many careless turnovers and oddly ran out of gas, it would appear, in the final few minutes of the game. But Brandon... My concern level is approximately 0% as far as the Lakers' ability or lack of ability to win this series, Brandon. And I'm concerned that it's at 0%, Nick, because how they played the game last night. So, Jenna, to answer your question, I think it's yes. And yesterday we were all adamant about oh. this series being over. But when you look at just how this, this, this whole year has shaped out for the Nuggets versus the Lakers, uh, the Lakers taking three out of four, you got to look at the storylines. And the storylines was that they have three to four people that can guard Jokic. Last night, they didn't have an answer for him. You look at Murray. Murray during the regular season was just an average guy averaging 17, 18 points against the Lakers. And they didn't have a third person step up and make big shots. So when you look at last night and how they played, if this trend continues, you have to be concerned because Jokic there was no answer for I mean this guy looked like he was uh, uh, Shaquille O'Neal uh, Elijah Wan <laughs> uh, KD all wrapped up in one uh, and, and then you look at Murray you know I, I've been saying this all along like is this guy flashing a pan type talent Will he be consistent? And I think last night he walked into that, that, that whole discussion of, yes, I'm a superstar in this league because he stepped up in a big moment. And then you had Grant, who I think added no value uh, from, a, from, a, from a superstar level. Not from a superstar level, but just from, like, can, can you be a difference in a game uh, the first couple of, uh, of series? But, but when you look at last night, he was that third person that stepped up. The Lakers didn't have uh, someone on that side that really stepped up and made a difference outside of AD and LeBron so when you really look at this I think it's time for us to change our perspective of how we talk about the Nuggets because right now we've been talking about them as you know this team is just a, they just got hot in a bubble but when you really listen to people talk about this team this coaching staff it's like no this is a really good team and you need to take them serious Wilds Jenna I don't I don't think the uh, the Nuggets care that Nick's at zero percent and I don't think uh, my good friend Jamal Murray cares that uh, Brandon comes on here and has been slandering him for two weeks. I think that when Jamal Murray put on those god-awful shoes, there's two ways it can go. If you're going to wear ugly shoes that ugly, you're either going to have a great game or a bad game. And last night, he's like, I got these terrible shoes on. I got to be confident. And he played out of his mind. There's three specific plays great. that I saw. I was like, man, this guy is really, really confident. The first one was this end-to-end -end rebound and dunk. He went for 28-12-8. So here's a rebound and a point. Gets the ball. Anthony Davis like, hey, you want to play? Are we in playoff basketball mode? I'm going to have Jamal Murray run right past me and <laughs> jam on me. LeBron's like, oh, boy, what are we doing? Next one, pass around Danny Green. We're going time machine back to the third quarter. A little high pick and roll. Whoop, right around you. That's just sort of the confident play that, like, you don't normally see from a guy who's just kind of getting it done. He's starting to feel, play feel, play with some real swagger. And then there's this one. Yeah, the yeah. only thing worse than when you take a three and you, you leave your hand up is when you take a three and you quickly put it back in your pocket like a, like a gunfighter. <laughs> yeah. He's playing with That's tremendous right. Right. amount of confidence. I, I think we're seeing it. I don't know if we're ready. Uh, America's ready to uh, move him up a tier. Nick, I don't know what he needs to do to move up a tier on your oh, superstar ranks, but we're getting yeah. close, buddy. Listen, he's well, been on, great. So, no, Nobody good... doubts. 
Go ahead, Brandon. No, that's a good question. No, no, that's a good question, Wiles. Nick, are you ready to move him up a tier? Oh, yeah. Well, he is. He was. He went into the bubble in that 20 to 25 range. He is absolutely in that 16 to 20 range now. No question about it. He has been spectacular in the playoffs. And by the way, Jenna, I don't doubt Jamal Murray. I don't doubt Nikola Jokic. The problem is for the Nuggets, I do doubt whether or not Porter, Grant, and Monty Morris are going to combine to go 16 of 24 in the same game yeah. where Danny Green, Caruso, and Rondo go 6 of 23. Like, I just, I don't think yeah. that is going to happen. And we showed, Jenna, that, Dan that Jamal Murray dunk. That put him up 20. Yep. Less than five minutes left. It's a three-point game. And then LeBron had a bad turnover. KCP missed a wide-open three. Then LeBron missed a three. Three consecutive possessions. The Lakers had a chance to tie the game after being down 20 moments prior, and they couldn't finish it off. So it, the Nuggets, I, I yeah. have not disrespected the Nuggets. I picked them to beat the Clippers. I, the Nuggets are an excellent team. They're going to lose game four, and they are not going to come back from 3-1 down against LeBron James. But that doesn't discredit anything they've accomplished up to this point. All right, well, the Lakers can now, as LeBron said, put this behind them and shift their focus to game four tomorrow night. All right, I'll take a break. Talking Cam Newton on the other side. Has he already done enough to earn a contract extension from the Patriots? Asking for a friend. That friend is Kevin Wilds. First things first. First Things First is proud to be presented by FanDuel Fantasy. Week two of the NFL is here, and we are entering our fantasy lineups on FanDuel. Never played FanDuel Fantasy before? Great! FanDuel's offering users the chance to play free this NFL season, no deposit required. And this year, FanDuel is now offering daily snake drafts. I couldn't be more excited about this unique format. Snake drafts are the simplest way to try daily fantasy. Draft live, just like season-long fantasy, but with winners every game day. The best of seasonal drafting with DFS all-in-one. Here's how it works. Find a daily snake draft. Draft your team live. The draft starts as soon as the contest fills. You and your opponents will draft six players in a six-round draft with 30 seconds per pick. Unlike other FanDuel contests, there's no salary cap. Just sign up and FanDuel will give you a free entry to a contest each week of the football season where you can win real prizes. Plus, for those folks who want to deposit, FanDuel is offering up to a $500 bonus instantly when you make your first deposit with your 20% deposit match. Go to FanDuel.com FTF or download the FanDuel Fantasy app to play now. That's FanDuel.com FTF. FanDuel, more ways to win. All right, let's head to New England now <laughs> where Cam Newton is the talk of the town. And why not? The Patriots quarterback has either met or far exceeded most expectations so far this season. So he joined Boston radio station WEEI yesterday, finally addressing the elephant in the room. When asked about a contract extension in New England, listen to how he answered the question. But you must understand that is literally the last of my worries. Money at this particular point in my career is not important, right? And let's be honest. Like, I, I, I've made money, um, you know, but for 
everything that I play this game for, I haven't received yet. And that's, that's why I'm playing. So it's not about money. It's about respect. All right, Brandon, mm. I'm going to ask you as a former player to read between the lines here. Tell us what your reaction yeah. was to the way Cam Newton answered this question. What was he really saying here? Uh, it's like it's like reading the Bible, right? Some people go to a particular verse and they make it uh, mean what they want it to mean in that moment. But you got to read the verse before you got to read the verse after. So the first thing I did, Jenna, was I went and I read the entire transcript of of his uh, his interview. And when you look closely, it's just Cam being creative. Because as a professional athlete, you know how things play out in the media when it comes to contract talks. It just doesn't end well for the player. You know, if a, if a if if a team cuts a player before their contract's up, oh, the, the player just wasn't good. If the player tries to go back to the table before or he asks for more money, oh, this is a player being greedy. So as a savvy veteran, you know how to uh, use your words carefully in the media. Because a lot of times you hear guys say, well, you know what, my agent's going to take care of that or it's going to work itself out. But internally, we know what we want. Now, I will say this. Uh, Cam Newton, yeah, I, there's validity behind what he's saying as far as he made money and, and, and right now he's focused on other things. I agree. But he also said that uh, he wants respect and, 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 and wants to be valued. So when you, when you hear that, you got to think like, okay, well, how does it team show you that they value you and they respect you is by paying you what you're worth now do I think he'll give the Patriots a team friendly deal yes uh, you know but he's going he's definitely going to ask for more money uh, because that's just the way it is this is Cam Newton being creative uh, with his words in the media Brandon let me ask you a question real quick before I give my take on this now because I'm not going to air out to the audience what your career earnings were but it was a good amount of money it's Googleable, yeah. and I've seen your house in South Florida yeah. with what appears to be 60-foot ceilings. <laughs> so it seems like you've done well. Uh, so my question is this. Even after you'd made 90% of that money, yeah. when you got a contract offer, it still mattered yeah. what the money was, right? Because it wasn't yeah. just, am I going to run out of money? It was, how much do you value me in comparison to how much other teams value me, correct? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, 100%. I do think Cam is going for legacy uh, legacy play here. But at the end of the day, it reminds me of my time going from the Jets to the Giants. And that was the first time in yep. my career where I sat down with my agent and I said, you know what, money is not the number one priority. You know, I really, like, I, I'm, I'm at a point in my career where, you know, I want to make the playoffs. I want to win a Super Bowl. So I looked at the Giants and I said, you know what, this is an opportunity for me to go to the number two receiver opposite of Odell Beckham Jr. I have a, a championship quarterback yep. in Eli. I haven't had that in my career. And then that year, the defense was lights out. So I said, you know what? Tell the Jets to keep their uh, <laughs> $10 million, and I'll take the seven yeah. from, from the Giants because I'm going to get much more uh, than what, what I'll get from the Jets. So <laughs> I know it just doesn't play well, right, when you talk about those numbers. No, See, this, it is, this is it playing out awesome. in real time. Different 100%. It's an uncomfortable, but 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 here, but here, here's the thing, Wilds. It's an uncomfortable conversation for a professional athlete to talk about those type of numbers in the media. So Cam News will come out and say, sure. I yeah. want $40 million, I want $42 million. So this is a perfect example of how uncomfortable it is for us to talk about yeah. money. That was I, good. I, mean, I see how you set me I up, get too, it. Nick. It, <laughs> it, no, he's, 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 he's set you up kindly. Like, I'm not gonna talk about it. 
Can you get into specifics? And our poor producer, Sam Pepper, who is a Jets fan, when you're like, listen, I wouldn't go for $3 million in the same stadium. I'm still not signing with the Jets. Like, that's how bad the Jets are. Um, so we no, talked no, about I love legacy. The Jets. That's my in favorite team. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, here's $3 million. You threw it in the garbage. And they're your favorite team. Okay, sure. Love them. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, are we talking about like chances to win the Super Bowl? So Jeff Howell from The Athletic yeah. was like, hey, how about this for a deal? Three years, uh, $90 million. It, that seems okay. It's way more than, than the bargain basement deal he's on. It's not quite at the young quarterbacks, Mahomes and Deshaun level. It seems team friendly because I think he's got to get this ring. Nick, when you look at quarterbacks who have won the MVP, there's really three categories. There's, and Lamar's got one all to himself. Lamar is probably will win one. So let's put Lamar over there. Yep. And then you've got legends, MVPs who have won one. Favre, Mahomes. Oh, God, I almost called Mahomes a legend. We're going to ruin the show. Sorry. Yeah, Favre, Rodgers, <laughs> uh, Brady, Manning, Brady. Steve yeah, Young. Yep. Yeah, Brady, of course. And then you got this other kind of weird part in the middle. It's like Rich Gannon, Matt Ryan, and Cam. And I think Cam's looking at yeah. it, and like Brandon's like you. It's like... I don't want to be in this category. I'd rather be over with the legends. Yeah. And if that costs me a little bit of money, so be it. And, and the New England is the place to be, Nick. Yeah. Go ahead, Jenna. I, I'm Go assuming ahead, since we're having this conversation, we all agree that Cam deserves an extension already, that the two games that he's played oh, was enough no. that we all think the Patriots no. will be offering. No, I wouldn't do it. No. I wouldn't do uh, it no. yet. I don't oh. think it's smart for either side. I the Yet. I, I listen. I think we anyone that doubted if Cam could still play is being proven to be a doofus. So th throw that aside. But if you <laughs> doubted if Cam is going to be able to play 16 games, that is a fair question, and it is also a fair question about whether or not the Patriots want to allocate 30 to 40 million dollars for their quarterback. So while Cam can say the money means nothing to me and he's made $122 million in his career, his next contract on the open market would be more than $122 million just for the next deal, Brandon, if he gets through this season healthy. Now, it does matter what's important to him, but we also, I feel like, for Cam to maximize his dollars if he wants to, needs to get closer to free agency. And the Patriots, if they want to protect themselves over Cam suffering another injury, needs to see him play more than eight quarters with the team, Brandon. 100%. It's way too early, but I will say this quickly. Legacy is in play for a lot of people in this organization. Cam being one, and then the other being Bill Belichick. Bill Belichick is four or five seasons away from being the all-time winningest coach in the, in the National Football League. You don't think that yep. he's thinking about, oh, Cam Newton can get me there? So yes, it is a smart, it's a smart, it's, it's a smart move for both sides, but it's way too early. All right, well, what's the one thing Cam doesn't have there in New England? A Gronk. Rob Gronkowski, though, still trying to find his way down in Tampa. Is his quiet start to the season a cause for concern? To be discussed next, First Things First. Is having a Gronk a good thing in 2020? I'm not certain. <laughs> NFL yeah. has a record time. 11 teams <laughs> off to a 2-0 start.
And it just dawned on me that 61% of all 2-0 teams make the playoffs at least since 1990. It didn't dawn on me. I looked it up. Brandon, the 2-0 team yeah. most likely to miss the playoffs this season is blank. Chicago Bears, and I love the city of Chicago, enjoyed my time Ooh. there. Uh, but last night on Inside the NFL, we actually had a similar segment where we talked about, you know, what 0-2 teams can potentially make the playoffs. And this is a team that could have easily been 0-2. You look at who they played and how they struggled at times throughout the game. And when you look at their their scheduling, their schedule uh, moving forward, they're playing against teams that can score. And I don't know if I trust Mitch Trubisky to be able to keep up with some of those teams. I mean, these, these guys can throw the ball around the field. So I'm, I'm nervous for the Chicago Bears here. Oh, listen, I, I agree with you on Mitch, but I did. I picked the Bears before the year to win double-digit games and make the playoffs. The Bears are a quarterback switch away from being a really dangerous team. We'll see if that switch comes. Uh, one note on this, my answer is the Rams, but with an asterisk. All these historic mm. numbers about 2-0 and teams make it this much, 0-2 teams miss it this much, they go totally out the window this year because we've expanded the playoffs. You've added one team per conference, so it's become dramatically easier to m make the playoffs. However, that division, the NFC West, every team has yep. at least one win. The Rams, the Cardinals, and Seahawks are all undefeated. San Francisco lost that tough game against the Cardinals. Now, San Francisco's banged up, but the Rams, they have such little depth, Wilds, that as the season wears on, if they lose just one yeah. or two of their frontline players, I think they're more likely to fall off. And I still don't believe in golf, even though he's playing well. So, Wilds, I'm going to say the Rams. Yeah, I'm going to go with the Bills. And I love when guys get body slammed through tables. So no offense to the Bills Mafia. But if you beat the Jets, which barely counts, I mean, Brandon wouldn't take $3 million to step on the field to play for the Jets. <laughs> and you beat the Dolphins. Can we stay with I, the I'm money? Just not, I'm just not, <laughs> just not quite ready. We all know the AFC East runs through Foxborough 11 straight years. So I'm going to go with the Bills. But maybe they sneak it in the wild card. I say that with reluctance because they do like when guys get slammed through tables. I don't know. I think I believe in Josh Allen this year. Uh, moving on to the Packers now. Aaron Rodgers quite happy with how things are progressing with head coach Matt LaFleur saying, quote, Maddie and I are really close and it's been a fun year working together. I'm quite happy with how adorable that sounds. Brandon, Aaron Rodgers' comments on Matt LaFleur are blank. Refreshing, but I could easily say it therapeutic. You just think about the last 10 years and seeing uh, Coach McCarthy calling a play on third and short and Aaron Rodgers just start cursing them out and all the stuff that was coming out of their camp about that fractured relationship. So um, I know Aaron Rodgers has done a lot of inward uh, thinking and looking at himself, which says a lot about his growth. And, and how he's trying to manage the relationships around him. So proud of Aaron Rodgers, and I'm sure that this is a refreshing moment for him. All right, my answer, Jenna, is the status quo. I'll explain it in a moment. But first, I have to defend my guy Brandon Marshall because Wilds keeps lobbing these attacks about the previous segment where he <laughs> talked about the money. In defense of Brandon, I also would not take $3 million to play for the Jets. But Brandon turned down $10 million to play for the Jets. It was a $3 million difference, but it was a $10 million offer that he said, miss me with that. I'm not playing for this team anymore. That's what happened. So let's, in case people are just now tuning in. Brandon, Guys, I'm moving back to New York, and I love the Jets. 60-foot ceilings. Jenna, I'm moving back to New York. You could have 70-foot ceilings if you would have taken that offer. The guy 
that's yeah, the not going to be able to show his feeling. face in New York. Right. <laughs> Jenna, the no, reason though no, that honestly, I said oh, status quo. <laughs> yeah, please, go, Brandon. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, no. Go ahead. We're off the rails. No. Just take it, Nick. Go, go get, back, yes. get us back on track. The reason I said status quo is this. It, they had a good relationship last year. We all just didn't want to believe it. And I'm a big fan yeah. of when players have nicknames for their coaches. When he calls him Maddie, like they're almost like peers. A lot of the Chiefs call Andy Big Red. I like when you have the relationship where you don't have to call He's him coach or his full name. I like it. So status quo, I think it's a good thing, Wilds. We're supposed to have lanes in this show. You're, Brandon is the player to talk about on the field stuff. You're the stat nerd, hate to break it to you. And I'm like the soft yeah. intel guy who wrote Maddie right here. I, I'm the guy that's supposed to be like, hey, it's the nickname. You're the stat nerd, okay? Oh. Stick to the stats. Oh. Maddie's Brandon's not a nickname. You His name stats, is Matt. I'd be like, hey, it's the nickname. Matt. And then it goes back to Jenna. What that's how the segment works. Don't come on to my lane. I had Maddie, nickname watch. Bruce Arian says he's quote not concerned with Rob Gronkowski <laughs> only having four targets through two weeks Brandon Arian's comments on Gronk are blank it's revealing right like you know when you think about the Gronk you think about him making plays in the passing game now he is a two-way tight end where he can block and he's done a phenomenal job throughout his career that's what makes him special however when you when you look at Gronk you want to see this guy running down the scene catching those balls and and, and and traffic you want to see him you know catching those lob fades in the red zone and we're not seeing that so I think it's revealing I think it's his coach telling us that hey this comeback season is not what we all thought it would be and if you go back to the the last we saw of Gronk it wasn't pretty we saw Gronk taking 10 seconds, nope. 15 seconds to get off the ground. He looked beat up. He looked, he just looked mentally and physically drained. So, you know, hopefully this thing turns around for him. But I'm 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 more concerned about Bruce Arians continuing to call out guys. Come on. And, and, and I know we're gonna get more into the Bruce Arians part of this later, mm -hmm. but I fear that once again I'm gonna have Wilds' answer. Because my, I'm sure Wilds <laughs> thought of the exact same word. Bruce Arians' comments on Gronk are anachronistic. It's from a previous era, and by that I mean this, and I thought Dan Orlovsky did a good job pointing this out yesterday. One of the things Arian said is, we're not gonna have 50 targets to our tight ends. The NFL is not quite positionless the way the NBA is, but in your receiving court, it's got to, it's kind of moving that direction. And you can't be like, well, we can only target our tight end position this many times. You want to put your best weapons out there and have somewhat of an egalitarian offense like Brady Pick, who's open on any given route. So if Gronk does have something left, it shouldn't be that he and O.J. Howard have to divvy up the tight end reps like it's 1982. You've got to have kind of more yeah. of an open mind on this. But And so, Wilds, I apologize. I'm sure you also were going to say anachronistic. I did not have that one. I did not have that one. I, I went with <laughs> Singles You Up, which is a, a song by Jordan Davis, a little country song. You know, your old friend Kevin Wilds got an acoustic guitar, started listening to country music. Uh, if he ever singles you up, if he's ever stupid enough, I'm going to be the first one calling you baby. And that is me to Rob Gronkowski. Come on back to New England, buddy. Bruce Arians paying $9 million <laughs> to catch two balls and give you about three targets. We haven't quite filled your spot there. You ruined us last year. We still miss you. So I'm just saying, he's not treating you right. And come back home. You knew that song so well that you knew that lines to the third stanza? 
Let's talk Steelers. Don't look now, oh, but they're Kansas? off to a 2-0 and start. I don't get that expression. Ben Roethlisberger, and I wrote it, Ben Roethlisberger barely missing a beat after having <laughs> elbow surgery. But Brandon, the player that has surprised you the most the first two weeks is blank. Yeah, this is easy for me, and I'll be quick here. Uh, Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow, the playbook's wide open. Yeah. I love how he's managing the game at the line of scrimmage. Huge upside for this guy, and I also love how he responds to adversity and his re reaction to bad plays. I'm going to go Josh Allen. I, I'm shocked he leads the NFL in passing yards. The connection with Diggs is working immediately. I don't know if it continues, Wilds, but Josh Allen, the NFL's leader in passing yards through two weeks, never saw that coming. I'm going to go with guy Gardner Minshew. And, and I know he loves talking about mustaches and beards, and he's going to put his mustache in a, a plastic bag and, and auction it off. But he's sneaky great. Look at his completion percentage, 75%. He's passed for 256 yards per game. 6-2 to two touchdown interceptions. Pass for range 115. The guy's playing great, and I know we kind of talk about him with a chuckle, but he's playing fantastic. No, so Gardner no, Minshew for me. Okay, so he's not playing no. sneaky great. He's playing great. Some of us were on that corner. Feet firmly planted and wet cement before the season started. We're about to get sideswiped. Maybe not, but right hospital. now, it's Be the careful. corner that I'm on. I'm not getting sideswiped. Hey, the Lakers <laughs> didn't realize they had a game last Don't night until the fourth quarter. What went wrong? What are you talking about? To be discussed in the commercial break, just, but we're talking Lakers Nuggets next. First things first. Jenna loves asserting that she's on corners that are going. For a lot of us, our home is now more than just our home. It's also a gym, a bakery, and a barber shop. And if you're a business owner or a people manager, home might also be where you do your hiring. That's where ZipRecruiter comes in. ZipRecruiter makes hiring faster and easier because you can do it all from one convenient place. ZipRecruiter.com slash approach. No matter where you're hiring from, ZipRecruiter does the work for you. How? Well, ZipRecruiter's matching technology scans thousands of resumes and profiles to identify the most qualified people for your job. If you're really interested in a candidate, you can even invite them to apply for your job. With one click, ZipRecruiter sends them an email from you and you stand out from the competition. And right now, to try ZipRecruiter for free, First Things First listeners can go to ZipRecruiter.com approach. That's ZipRecruiter.com approach, A-P-P-R-O-A-C-H. ZipRecruiter.com approach. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. The stress of daily life weighs on all of us, whether you're an elite athlete or just a regular person trying to get through the day. Muscle pain and muscle tension, that's a real thing. That's why I use Theragun, the handheld percussive therapy device that releases your deepest muscle tension using a scientifically calibrated combination of depth, speed, and power. And now it's as quiet as an electric toothbrush. That's because the all-new Gen 4 Theragun has a proprietary brushless motor that's so quiet, you'll wonder if it's on. While you soothe your aching muscles with Theragun's signature power, amplitude, and effectiveness. Try Theragun risk-free for 30 days. There's no substitute for the Theragun Gen 4 with an OLED screen, personalized Theragun app, and the quiet and power that you need. 
starting at only $199. Go to Theragun.com slash FTF right now and get your Gen 4 Theragun today. That's Theragun.com slash FTF. Theragun.com slash FTF. This week starts Saturday strong with a big doubleheader on Fox vs. Oklahoma looking to avenge last year's loss to K-State. The big noon game of the week. Then the Longhorns take on the Red Raiders. I it is only know. on Fox and the Fox Sports app. Brandon doesn't know. Back to our top story this morning. The series some thought was all but over suddenly has life. LeBron and the Lakers couldn't overcome a 20-point Denver lead last night. Nuggets get the win. They are back in this series, and with that, we welcome in Antoine Walker. Antoine, did last night's win convince you that this Denver team still capable of maybe winning this series? Well, I thought I don't, I don't believe they can win this series. Not yet. I'm not completely convinced, but I did know they can be very competitive. This is a team that can take you six or seven games. Um, I think game one was they come from a grueling series of playing the Clippers, so. Game one, they got smacked in the face. They responded to game two. And then last night was an incredible game. Um, the way they started the game off. This is the first time we've seen Denver in the playoffs kind of hit a team in the mouth first and didn't have to come back. They were very aggressive yeah, early yeah. on. They got great, great, they got great bench production early. Michael Porter and Morris came in and were very aggressive offensively, made open shots. And we hadn't seen that. We usually takes them to the second half to do that. But they were prepared. They were folks to go. I think the team that lost that yep. heartbreaking loss like they did, they responded the right way, and they hit the Lakers in the mouth. And I think that surprised the Lakers. I think the Lakers thought this series probably was over and that Denver was ready to lay down and was going to be content with just a game two buzzer beater loss. But they showed all season long, obviously last year, and then this year that that's not this type of team. One thing I can say, this team is for real. Um, don't want to get ahead of myself, but they're going to be good for years to come. They keep this group together. But we got a series now. They, I think they believe that they can win this series. Um, they have a lot of adjustments to make game in the game out, but they can legitimately believe that they can win it. I think they can make this a six, seven game series now with the win last night. Game four obviously is huge, but great performance from everybody in the Nuggets. I thought they had a great team effort, great energy. Great poise. When the Lakers made that run in the fourth quarter, they responded really well. And Jamal Murray, I know, B, I know you don't really um, think highly of Jamal Murray. <laughs> but after last night, after last night, I think your attitude should change yeah. about Jamal Murray. He started to step up and take it to that next level. Those were two huge threes and key moments and a huge assist late in that game. I agree. No, 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 Twan, I, I agree, man. Yesterday, uh, we talked we talked adamantly about, you know, this series being over. So I got to I got to I got to switch because it's, it's a yes. It's a hard yes for me, because when you see how they played and you go back to the regular season, you know, Lakers just dominated them. They're taking three out of the four games. And when you look at how they did it, it was impressive. There was no Jokic. They 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 totally dominated Jokic. He wasn't a factor uh, throughout the regular season. Murray was just an average guy. So, yes, to your point, I don't believe in him because his the, the four to five of his biggest game came in a bubble. So to me, when you see the inconsistencies in his game, it's like, is this a flash in a pant? Pan type talent and then there was a third guy in the regular season that stood up against the Lakers uh, like Grant did last night to really uh, be a difference uh, in deciding the outcome of the game now I will say this because 
you know, what, what else do we need to see, Tuan, for us to change our perspective on the Nuggets? Like, even for me, it's like, ah, uh, they're just a hot team in the bubble. Who is this Murray cat? Is he for real? Is he a flash and a pad type guy? But, like, when you see, seen him play last night, like, you're like, ah, oh, I'm hesitant. I don't want to get ahead of myself. What more do we need to see for us to say, like, this is one of the premier teams in the NBA now? They got to actually continue to get... No, Jerry Grant has 26 points. Ahead, I don't man. know if 26 points. I don't know if 26 points is in Jerry Grant's um, offensive game night in, night out. He has improved offensively. Uh, Gary Harris has been a shadow of himself. He hasn't been the same player that we saw in the past. They got to get him back playing to a very high level. Uh, Paul Millsap, obviously, game two was four. We had eight turnovers, so he has to play better. But when they get consistent effort off the bench from Michael Porter and Morris, they become a very, very tough team. And I think they do a good job of putting multiple guys on LeBron James, not necessarily to, to stop them, but give them different looks. And I think, obviously, they can't play small. And the Lakers have stopped them from playing small. And last night, they were determined to stay small, and they did that. And they forced Dwight Howard and JaVale McGee out the game. And we hadn't seen that since the Houston mm -hmm. series. All right, so both of these things can be true. It can be true that the Nuggets are legit that the Nuggets will go into next year as one of the five favorites to win the title. And that they, Nikola Jokic has proven himself to be, over these last two years, one of the most consistent, dominant playoff performers we have. He had 22, 10, and 5 last night. It was a bad game by his standards. That's the standard Jokic now has. And Jamal Murray, over this playoff run, Brandon, I would argue, has proven that while during the regular season, you're right, you don't know if he's going to go for 30 or go for 12, that in the playoffs, he has tremendous guts, tremendous courage, and when he gets hot, is nearly unguardable. And so I think they go into next year with a great one-two punch. That can be true. It can also be true that they got no shot to win this series. Like, here's a funny thing that happens when a series is 2-0. If the team that's leading the series when it's 2-0 wins game three, everyone announces the series over as it is. But if the team that's leading the series 2-0 loses game three, folks, I think foolishly sometimes like, oh, I think they're in real trouble. Guys, the Lakers aren't in real trouble. And I'll take it a step further, Kevin Wilds. I think for the Lakers' oh. championship aspirations, not coming back from 20 down was good for them. They would have rather won last night if it's a traditional game. But hold on. If they, they played terribly in the second half of game two and got away with it. They played terribly for the first three quarters of game three. If they would have been able to overcome it and get the win because of a six-minute burst in the fourth quarter, I feel like their level of precision, execution, and attention to detail would be numbed going into the finals because they would feel like, man, we don't even have to play that well. We can be down 24th quarter points and come back. So they escaped in game two for a game that was a coin flip game. And last night, they almost stole one when they were dominated for 40 minutes. So I still think the Lakers are going to win in five. I think they're going five, 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 five in these NBA playoffs. But I think last night actually mm. maybe helped them lock back in Wilds where they need to be <laughs> focused and attention to detail-wise. So, so you're saying it could have been, they could have been a little Clippers-esque, Nick. Little Paul George-esque, take your foot off the gas for the whole yeah. year. Like you actually need to lose the game. <laughs> Clippers, Clippers adjacent slander from Nick there. 
Uh, H1, <laughs> there was a good tweet out from StatsMuse that said, the Nuggets are one loss away from going to the NBA Finals, meaning that they like to be down 3-1, and that's what they need to sort of propel their best game. <laughs> Is there something to the fact that, that Denver really needs to have their back against the wall, that, that they probably won't win the next game, that they do need to go down 3-1 until they can take it to the next level? Or do you think that's just a narrative? No, I think it's a narrative. You know, obviously we've seen them come back from 3-1. I don't think they can come back from 3-1 to the Lakers. Um, LeBron James and Anthony Davis are too good. I don't think that, that can happen. But you got to give those guys a lot of credit, Nick. I think I think you're wrong, Nick, in saying that this series is over with and kind of downplaying that how good Denver really is. Denver is legit. I know you love the Lakers and LeBron James. LeBron had a triple-double last night. I thought he was terrible. I think Anthony Davis has two rebounds. I thought the stat sheet looks really, really good. But I don't think neither one of those guys played well last night at I, all. Um, I, I, I think, you know, we got to start looking at Denver. Denver's a team that's going to be very, it's going to be good for the future, you know, years to come. They are good right now. I think they're a very confident group. And if you look at their team, they're not many pieces away from being a championship level team. I um, agree. I just think this year. I agree. I, I just, but, but I think you're downplaying the fact that how good they are. And this series can be able to no. go six or seven games. It easily can go six or seven games. It's wide open for that. The Lakers are not a great team, Nick. Let's get this understood. They have the number that they have the best player in the world and arguably probably the number four I or agree. five best player in the world. They're not a great team. This that's unit a, hasn't been together that's for fine. five or six I, years. That's fine. And we like, but, like we've but watched, there we are no super them. teams. You've, listen, we the, haven't watched one, them there are no in the super finals teams. down to one. That's true. And, okay. I, and I tell you this, they you're got right. a legitimate shot. When you're, they relying on Dwight. If Dwight Howard's bringing your energy, and you need him to bring your energy, yeah. you're not a good team. That's not a good team. Listen, that's you're boy. right, <laughs> Antoine. You're right that they that we haven't seen him down two one. And luckily for them, we're not going to see him down two one at any point this year. Nobody can accuse me of being of, of slow playing the Nuggets. I, I literally was the only person in the country that before the playoffs, aside from, I think, players on the Nuggets that picked them to be in this spot right now. I know how good they are. But to your point, Antoine, LeBron had his worst career 30-point triple-double. Anthony Davis was essentially a 7-foot shooting guard last night. Caruso, Danny Green, and Rondo combined to go 6-for-23. And Jeremy Grant has the best game of his life. And it's a three-point game in the fourth quarter with the Lakers having three chances to tie it. They don't have to play their A-plus game to beat these guys because they have the best player in the series, because they have Anthony Davis. So uh, all the respect in the world, Jenna, to Denver. The Lakers are going to win Thursday. Wilds, I haven't done this in a long time. Lock of the week right here on First Things First. We gave you the teaser last week. We gave you the nuggets over the Clippers. The Lakers are going to win on Thursday night. Jenna Wolf, put put a nice little investment Okay. Ooh, nice <laughs> your we'll do. Uh, Antoine, stick around. We got to switch gears. Talk some Cameron Newton on the other side. Two games in, Pat's fans already talking contract extension. I love getting ahead of ourselves. Next, first things first. <laughs> Tonight, TV's number one show is back, and the celebrities are the biggest yet. Don't miss the Mass Singer premiere tonight on Fox. Back here with Antoine Walker.
Twan, let's talk some Clippers, and much to the delight of Nick Wright, the fallout continues for the Clippers. Oh, we know we Paul George asked his teammates for their commitment following. Oh, you requested this be in the show. I'm going to let America what know that. We know about? Paul George asked no, his man. teammates for their commitment following the Clippers' second-round exit, and we know that it was met with eye rolls. Now a Clippers beat reporter says he thinks Kawhi Leonard is the only untouchable on this roster. Let me translate. That's an ever-so-subtle shot at Juan Paul George. So, Antoine, let me start with you. Should the Clippers be willing to move on from everybody and anybody other than Kawhi? No, that would be crazy if they want to be a championship-level team. Um, they're still there. Let's not get this confused. Obviously, they lost a game seven. Um, they're the top four team in the West still um, with Golden State and Phoenix and some of the other teams that are going to be back out there and going to be good. But they're still in the mix. I don't think they have to um, look to add other pieces, but they got to decide what they're going to do. They do have four free agents that are, that are key. I said this once before. Montez Harrell, you know, Patrick Patterson, uh, Morris, and then obviously Reggie Jackson. So they got some spots to fill, but they still are a championship-level team. They will be making a huge mistake um, to do that. And then the window is small. It's not like Kawhi Leonard has four or five years left. If he's doing doing low management and not practicing and not not able to go 82 games and 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 do both, you have, your window is very small for what you're going to be able to, to be right. able to compete for a championship. So you have to put all those things in perspective. So I think you stay packed. I think you actually may have to add a piece or two um, as far as veterans, but you got to rely on your two superstars. These guys are in the prime of their career. They fail. They choke. They should have some pride. Um, I know we don't have a summer, but if they get a couple months off, they need to get in the gym and work on some things. And Kawhi Leonard has to make a commitment to playing basketball. Um, is that whether that's practicing more, um, getting into a better rhythm, um, being more aggressive, and that's where LeBron has separated himself from all the other superstars, mostly because LeBron's a great leader. And I'm not talking about on the court. I'm talking about off the court. He gets guys, gets guys to buy into one system, one style, one goal, and he's the best at doing it right now in the league. And the Kawhi doesn't want to take that responsibility. And you don't really have anybody else on that roster that that can do that. They're in trouble. They're gonna have that. Those are things they need to address. It's not blowing the team up. It's not going to get you um, to an NBA title. Listen, mm. folks, the Clippers are stuck, and this is the spot. That, by the way, Kawhi Leonard put them in. Mm -hmm. Kawhi Leonard signed yeah. there. But in order to sign there, he demanded they get Paul George. And because of that demand, OKC was able to hold the Clippers for a ransom. They have no assets to move other than Paul George. And dare I say, Paul George, with only one year left on his contract, coming off that playoff performance, you're not going to get a great return back for him. If they called up OKC and were like, let's just do the trade again, just the other way around, Sam Presti would laugh him off the phone. They couldn't even get 50% of what they traded away for Paul George. This is their team. They are capped out. They, are, they have no picks to move. And what, you know, the, what was a few months ago, here's how the Warriors are going to acquire Giannis Antetokounmpo. That nonsense, that narrative has quickly become, here's how the Clippers are going to get Drew Holiday. How? Wait, with Patrick Beverly and Landry Shamit? Good luck. It ain't happening. This is your team. 
and the flaws that were laid to bear by the Denver Nuggets in this series are going to be the flaws next season. You don't have real rim protection, aside from the minute Zubac is on the court, and even then it's mediocre. You don't have a true point guard, and you got a bunch of one-way players. Harrell and Lou Williams, one-way offensively, and then Patrick Beverly, one-way defensively. And your issues with Kawhi, Antoine, and I just want you to expand on this a bit, I don't think those are necessarily fixable. If Kawhi has a medical condition to where he can't play but 60-some games and practice and not practice much, that's not going to change. And Kawhi, his whole life, has clearly been a guy who's not a very verbal, talkative, you know, that type of leader. That's not going to change at nearly 30 years old either. So, Antoine, to me, their biggest issues are static. And I don't think they're going to fire the coach. They're not going to blow up the team. They're going to run it back and hope for a better result next year. Yeah, I, th I think you have no choice but to run it back. You made excellent points right there, Nick, about not having any, any room, any cap space, anything to do, anything. So you have to run that back. But you got to put the pressure on Kawhi and Paul George to make that type of commitment. I think Paul George's playoff performance was horrible, obviously. But Kawhi Leonard, he, I don't think you just it, it happens overnight. But we can't continue to give him um, these built-in excuses where he, he doesn't have to do some of the things that other superstars have to do. If Kawhi Leonard cares about winning championships, if he compares, you know, really gives a care about his legacy, he would do the necessary things it takes to be the leader of this team. I don't know if it's going to happen overnight, but he has to step up. It's not just about play. It's the total package for Kawhi to get these guys to buy in. They are good enough to make a run. West, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna say they're not good enough. They, they were one game from getting the Western Conference Finals against the Lakers. We don't know how that would have went, but they were right there. So you don't blow it up. You got to put guys got to get better. I hate when, when a team doesn't do well and they don't meet their expectations. We always say, well, they got to go get all these people. How about the guys that's on the team getting the gym? How about Montez Harrell, Lou Williams make a commitment to play a little defense, to put a, put a body in front of somebody, take a charge? What about Pat Beverly continue to get better on the offensive end and make a shot? I'm tired of us always have to blow up the team and go get all these other players to do things that guys get paid millions of dollars for, get in the gym and improve. And that's what they're going to need to do if they want to make a legitimate run in a championship. Guys, I love hearing you guys go back and forth, but this is a lose-lose situation for the Clippers, uh, and, and here's why. Like, you look at next year, the Lakers are going to be better than them. I say the Rockets are going to be better than them. I'll even throw the Suns in there. Golden State's going to be healthier. I think they're going to be better than them. And, and, and when you look at what's coming out of that locker room, uh, talent only takes you so far. You need leadership. You need continuity. You need chemistry. They don't have that. When you say, this is my core, you got Paul George and you got Kawhi Leonard, and then you got guys that, that don't connect with them or push back on what they're embracing, whether it's load management and superstars acting like superstars, like you said, Tuan, well, I'm not going to do this because I'm Kawhi or I'm going to do it this way because I'm Paul George. That's a recipe for disaster. For that reason, you have to blow it up. So you got to bring in guys that understand huh. their role. You got to bring in guys that can embrace, whether it's small, not small ball, excuse me, whether it's 
low management and it's superstars acting like superstars. Um, this is just a, a recipe for disaster. You have to blow this up because talent only takes you so far. Well, I know you, I, I, Wilds, I know you know about leadership. You follow some great teams and you talk about the Patriots, an all-time great leader in Bill Belichick. I thought this was, I thought this was important, um, you know, for, for something for us to look at when you look at, um, you know, coaches' uh, uh, take on on, on his leadership, Kawhi's leadership. Yeah. So look at this. Kawhi was a great player, but he wasn't a leader. Kawhi's talent will always be missed. But leadership wasn't his deal at the time. That's may, that may come as he progresses. This is Greg Popovich talking about Kawhi when they sent him to the Raptors in November. Yeah. So when you talk about leadership and you're saying, this is my team, Wilds, you don't know if Kawhi can be that. And it's kind of too late in his career to ask him to be something that he hasn't been. Sure. I, when you said Wilds, you know about leadership. You're a great. I thought you're going to be like you're a great. Te- you're a great leader. And you're just like you like the Patriots. And I'm like, oh. No, no, no. You just follow some great team. That's it. Here, here's the. I, I know everyone tunes in because it's the number one show on cable television for your Clipper hatred and on YouTube. And Nick Wright is, is there with the flag. Number one show for Clipper hatred. I, I, I will give you a uh, Jackson 5 lyric. Uh, don't blame it on the sunshine. Don't blame it on the moonlight. Uh, don't blame it on the good times. <laughs> blame it on the bubble. Maybe it's just the bubble. Maybe <laughs> it's just the bubble. Paul George is straight up, and I, I know it's not the most funny thing in the world, but Paul George's like, hey, I was depressed, man. The bubble life is tough. I know we kill him because he had you know bad shooting, but it's like, this was brutal for me. We know Doc Rivers had a brutal, Nick, not you know, a brutal time, brutal is the wrong word, but like a very emotional time <laughs> in the bubble, having to lead a team and lead an emotional, you don't buy that at all. The guy's like, I don't, well, okay, guys, you're the leader of the Clippers Every, but go ahead. Before I'm not making we excuse, knew I'm saying what coronavirus was, before the pandemic, <laughs> before the quarantine, every single issue that beat the Clippers in these playoffs I was pounding the table on for months. It was the, the every single thing that came and bit them. You could see them if you wanted to, Jenna. Folks just didn't want to. Wow. All this Clippers business, a far cry from when he thought would be a title contending run this season. Hey, what's got Bruce Arians so fired up following a win this past weekend? First things first. All right, let's talk some Tampa Bay Bucks now. The bar is high down there in Tampa despite the win Sunday. Bucks know they were far from perfect against the Carolina Panthers. Tom Brady played better than he did in week one, but his receivers dropped seven footballs. Of the seven, Bruce Arian said mm. two or three of them would have been touchdowns. And that math tells me that's a lot of points left off the board. Coach not happy with his receiving core. Take a listen to this. I mean, a professional football player, if you play receiver, you're supposed to catch the damn ball. Uh, so um, Tom's going to – it's like any quarterback. You keep you drop a couple more, you can get it anymore. He ain't going to throw it to you. So uh, same thing in practice. If you drop the ball in practice, it's probably not coming to you on Sunday. So, um, you know, it, it's not something you overreact to. But uh, luckily we won the ball game, but we left a lot of offense out there. Greg mm. Jennings is back with us now. Greg – as a receiver, does that kind of criticism to a team, does that eventually wear thin if you're listening to the coach say this week in and week out? Uh, Brandon knows this very well. It would wear thin if you weren't giving that same criticism to the quarterback. Now, if you're going to give that criticism yeah. and put that ownership on the quarterback as well, publicly like you're doing, 
then I'm fine with it. However, we know how it goes, Brandon. Coaches come in, especially with star yeah. players. They let their player know, look, I'm going to ride you. I'm just letting you know. Uh, I got to make an example out of you so these other guys know that when they do it, I'm going to make them, uh, make an example out of them as well. So with even last week, him riding uh, Tom Brady, I loved it. But Tom Brady knew it. He has thick enough skin. He's He's a goat. He's mentally tough enough. But when you start pointing the finger at all these guys on your roster, everybody is not made up the same way. And so mentally, That's it right. will start to mess with them. So when they go to practice, you see more drops. When they are in the game, they're thinking about, okay, don't drop, don't drop. You don't want players playing That's like right. that. And as a head coach, you got to know better. You can't just go out spewing this type of com these type of comments around about your guys that you have on your roster that you kept. So I, I would, it's a very slippery slope. Um, and, and Bruce Arians should know better. Uh, it's cool that he said it about Tom Brady. Tom Brady can handle it. But to start doing it about every single player on your team and every position, you shouldn't do that. Hmm. Yeah, it wears thin, Jenna, when, when you start to lose. Uh, and, and when you lose and you make these comments, uh, that's when you lose the locker room. But as long as he's winning, he can say whatever he wants, right? Because he's the head coach, and guys understand that, and they're winning. But when, as soon as that thing turned, that's when it can get really ugly in that locker room. Um, I thought it was interesting because when I was watching this game live, uh, there was two drops that, that, that stood out to me, and that was Shady McCoy. There was one uh, Texas route he had where he came out of the backfield and pretty much ran a slant over the middle, wide open, he dropped the ball. He should have had it. Uh, Tom was pissed. Everybody was pissed. And then there was another one where uh, he dropped the touchdown. He made an awesome move. Uh, it was a, a scramble play. Uh, he took his route up, and he put his hand up, and then he just dropped it. And I was like, oh, man, he's going to get crushed. He's probably not going to get an opportunity again. So what coach said was true, right? Like, if you drop the ball like that twice in the game, you're probably not going to get another opportunity. But when he went to the sideline, there was this interesting moment where Bruce Arians went to Shady McCoy, put his arm around him, and I lit up. I said, wow, this is awesome leadership. Because what Greg just said is true. You don't want your players in their head. So you go to those guys and you say, man, you'll get it next time. I believe in you because it's a long season you need to be able to lean on these guys so I was like wow this is great leadership by Bruce I can see why guys love playing for him and then Monday comes around and he makes that comment and I'm like then it just it was all for nothing because if I'm Shady McCoy I'm like man like you, you don't really believe in me like you said one thing on the game in the game and then when we got to the to Monday in front of the press you said something different so you know I think coach as long as you're winning you can say what you want but if you continue that and y'all lose a few ball games you will definitely lose the locker room so I find this really interesting for a number of reasons one is listen Bruce Arians has always been outspoken we know that but what did we hear in week one? In week one, we did hear him criticize Brady. We also heard him go to his press conference week one and say, hey, by the way, that first interception Brady threw, I said it was on him, actually not on him. My bad for that criticism. And now in week two, what we're hearing him say is Brady actually played way better than the pedestrian numbers show you. That, you know, he should have had more yards, more touchdowns, more everything, and professional receivers should make these plays. The problem is most of these drops weren't by professional receivers. LaShawn McCoy is a running back, <laughs> who I understand that was a great pass, but he's coming out the backfield catching it over his shoulder. What, the other, another drop touchdown was Scotty Miller. 
Scotty Miller is a professional receiver, but up until this year, he barely was a professional receiver. The only one that came from a receiver is that one there on the sideline. Like, the it, it drops is not something that traditionally has been a problem for the Bucks. Chris Godwin last year was into December and was the, the most targeted receiver in the entire league without a drop. And so I don't think this is a real issue. I do think, Wilds, that one of the reasons it was brought up to the way it was, even after a win where the team was pretty dominant throughout, is to try to adjust the narrative on Tom Brady, who right now is fifth from the bottom of the league in passer rating, and his numbers have been pretty pedestrian. It's like, hey, he could have been better. He should have been better. His numbers should have been better. So he deserved sacrifice. better. But his guys were dropping passes. Oh, that's good. Sacrifice, hey, Brandon, sacrifice the, 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 the wide receivers and the pass catchers. That, that, that's smart. The guys that you're going to need to make plays for you down the road. That's not smart. Well, yeah. Well, I mean, I'm not, that's, I'm not saying that's smart. My I'm just saying I think it's what's happening. <laughs> no, Brandy, like you <laughs> yeah. talked about Odell last week and how it's such a, a mental game to get him going earlier. And I'll, I'll throw it to you, Brandon. Is there specifically, have you been in a game where you're actually thinking <laughs> about dropping the ball rather than catching the ball? 100%. That's why the Shady McCoy is interesting that you, you asked that question uh, because that's what ended my career. Um, you know, in Seattle, right, we're playing against Dallas. There's a lot of pressure. The Legion of Bloom, Boom was blow, blew up. Uh, those guys weren't there. Uh, Coach Carroll was under a lot of pressure. Coach, uh, the GM Snyder were under a lot of pressure. Can they win without those guys leading the way? So when I came in, uh, thrown in a situation, playing great the first week, the second week, we go against Dallas and in the first half I had two drops I had a 50-50 ball on the sideline I didn't come down with it the second one I'm running a shallow route my glove got pulled up, pulled off of my hand and it was like kind of in between and I just dropped the ball and then coach as I was walking through the sideline, just looking at me and said hey man take a seat never touched the field uh, again after that moment went to the Saints had a cup of tea Brutal. there for a month uh, still didn't touch the field so that's why that Shady McCoy uh, uh, play really stood out to me and that embrace on the sideline because I thought about Shady and I thought about my situation I'm like as a veteran player going to another team with pressure on you like it, it, you would think that oh this is easy this is what I do but when you drop the ball in an in unfamiliar territory with guys that don't know how you bounce back you feel guys Guys looking at you differently and approaching you differently or not talking to you at all so I, I love Bruce for that for that situation in that situation for embracing him because I thought about like how that moment could potentially get him back on track and then he says that hmm. and I'll jump Brandon, in really quick Brandon you? that's why I don't that's why I don't like what Bruce Aaron is doing because you're bringing a lot of guys from a lot of different cultures, a lot of different organizations that were not there last year, that have not played together, and you're asking them to unite. You're asking them to build chemistry, and you're dividing it. You're, you're putting tension within all of it. You're literally creating division instead of bringing yeah. them together and making sure you're the one who's supporting them the most and showing them the love that they need so that's that right. then they can do it for one another. I, I, that's why I don't like it. All right, we'll see how the team looks. Bucks are on the road in Denver to face an 0-2 Broncos team this Sunday. Greg Jennings, thank you so much.